Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Before we get there, I'm going to be really transparent with you about something. Right? First of all, I want to draw your attention to this plant right here. Right? Everybody see that plant? That was my attitude yesterday and even leading into this morning. But now I want you to look at this plant. This is my attitude now, after being in the house of God, seeing all of you, uh, singing songs like we just sang, verse 4, every need his hand supplying every good in him, I see on his strength divine relying, he is all in all to me, and then all that thrills my soul is Jesus. That has a way of boosting your spirit. And prayerfully, before the day is over, that plant, fake one, will be... (laughs) That's what I just said. I said it's fake. (laughs) But hopefully my attitude looks like that by the end of the day. Um, It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to see you. I'm a person, a human, just like everybody else, and uh, sometimes I have moments myself, and, but I'm also thankful that by God's grace, they don't last too terribly long, and you get your head right, you get your thinking straight, because that's really what it is most of the time, is just getting your head straight, and you get a, a right perspective again, and things get turned back around, and uh, hopefully this plant will be revived <laughs> soon. <got> water. Amen. <laughs> so it's, it's on its way, is what you're saying. That's good. need a little plant food. Uh, we need food for the soul, and, and we'll ask the Lord to give us some of that even today. Amen. Food for the soul. All right. Luke chapter 9, and we're going to be here just today, but, but I'm going to give you a little... A little background or a little bit of a reason why uh, we're going to be considering this today. I really believe this is what the Lord has directed me to. In this, this last week, I've been challenged. Um, I've either been involved in or it's been something personally related to me um, that has really got my mind going and thinking. And I was reminded again of a verse that we're going to read here and it got I went back to this verse and I started I looked at it I read it right around its context and I really believe this is the direction the Lord has led for today Um, and the challenge for us today that I want you to think about as we begin is I want you to consider your own heart and your own life and I want you to consider your own uh, relationship with Jesus Christ but 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 not in salvation, more geared toward, am I really following Christ? Am I really serving the Lord Jesus Christ? And that's the direction that we're going to go, because I think a lot of times we say we're servants of the Lord, and we, we, we make statements like, oh, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ, but there are hidden recesses in our heart that, that sometimes we don't really know are there. And, and this level of surrender 
to the Lord. In our mind, I'm surrendered to the Lord. In my mind, I'll do whatever the Lord wants me to do. But maybe that there are some, some hidden areas of the heart that, that we don't even necessarily see or know about that maybe aren't fully surrendered to the Lord. And the Lord has a way of bringing those out to challenge us with our surrender to Christ. And so that's the direction we're going to go this morning. And I want to direct your attention to verse 57, where the Bible says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. But let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. There's some powerful truth or in here that, that again, it's not directed toward, you know, those who, who um, uh, aren't saved. It's, it's truth that's directed to those who claim to know Jesus Christ and even to those who have a heart that say, I want to follow the Lord. You know, we sing songs like, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And though none go with me, I will follow Jesus. We sing songs like that. And, and they can be songs that we don't even think about, words we don't think about. Or they can be things that we do think about. And in the heart, maybe there's that, you know, that, I've got this commitment, I'm going to follow Christ. And they, they invoke these kinds of feelings of wanting to serve the Lord, but they can be void of commitment. The commitment that it takes to serve the Lord. And in the context of, of this, of, of, of what Jesus is saying and what Jesus is teaching, Jesus is about to embark on what you might call his final campaign in Galilee before he heads to Jerusalem where he's going to end up being crucified. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, the Bible says, And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. The time had come. Jesus was, 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 uh, had set his face. The time had come for him to experience the cross. The surrounding context of all of that is chapter 10 in verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. That's the context in which Jesus is teaching here. 
If you go to Matthew chapter 9 with me, just keep your place here, it gives us some e- even more of the setting in which Jesus, or these, these things are taking place in this teaching that Jesus is giving here. Matthew chapter 9 in verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. You see the heart of Jesus Christ as he is sending out his disciples. His heart was one of compassion. That the people are are scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And now he's giving the job uh, uh, to his disciples to go, to, to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the harvest. And not only that but that they themselves would go. He says, I'm sent, in, in chapter 10 of Luke, I'm sending you two by two into every place. And so what I'm saying here is the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ for the multitudes demanded a desperate need for workers. And how did Jesus respond to that challenge? Well, he sent his men out two by two to minister and prepare, and he was preparing them for the ministry that they would have after Jesus left this world and his return back to glory. All right, everybody got the context? So Jesus is preparing his men because he's about to be crucified. He's about to, to be resurrected and return to heaven. And so he's preparing his men for the job that he was going to give them to do. Again, in the context, there are two times here where Jesus tells his disciples of his impending rejection of the Jews and his death. He does that in chapter 9, two times. He's resolutely set his face toward Jerusalem and the cross. We covered that. He's taught that in chapter 9 specifically, he has taught his disciples that the requirement for truly following Jesus Christ is to deny yourself and to take up the cross. Chapter 9 of Luke, go back there again. And I'm setting this foundation before we get into our text verses because it helps us understand what the Lord is teaching, and it really will help us make application for our own lives. In chapter 9 and verse 23, And he said to them all, his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So what we find here is that Jesus has already taught his disciples what is the actual requirement for truly following Jesus Christ. Taking up your cross means to die to yourself. The cross was an instrument of death. And it's crucifixion. And Jesus is saying the requirement to follow me is is death to self. To take up that cross and to follow me. And oftentimes, self is the very hindrance to truly following Jesus Christ. 
Even in our heart and our mind, when we mean well, when we have good intention, and as far as I know, I, I will do whatever the Lord says to do, but there are hidden recesses in the heart that are driven by self, that are motivated by self-will that the Lord wants to draw out of us to bring us to new levels of surrender to Christ. And so we encounter in our text two men who say, Lord, I'll follow you. They volunteer to follow Jesus. We don't know whether these men ended up responding after Jesus reveals some things to them or not, although you might get the sense that they didn't. But whether they responded or not is not really the focus. What really is the focus is Jesus' words at the end of this encounter. And Jesus' words are to be applied in our own heart. And I want you to look at it again. In our verses here, verse 57, it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. See his attitude, his heart, his mind? Whatever it is, Lord, wherever you go, I'll follow you. I'm going. And Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, so here the story changes. Now Jesus is talking to somebody, and Jesus is the one who says, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. But let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And here's the words that we need to focus on, because we don't get whether or not these men responded to the Lord. That's not really the focus. The words of Jesus is the focus that we need to apply in our own heart. Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Of God. So we need to ask ourselves this question today, and here's the focus. Am I following Jesus totally, or am I following the Lord casually? And I'm going to draw out some of these principles in this message to highlight maybe some things that could be a hindrance to us following Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us today to have a humble heart that is willing to examine our own life, and Lord, that we'd put it up before you and say, Lord, you search me, you try my heart, you know my thoughts, and Lord, you see if there be any wicked way in me. And Lord, to have the heart that is truly humble before you, because in our finite beings, we can, to the best of our knowledge and ability, we can have good intentions. But Lord, as you reveal things to us, it's incumbent upon us that we have a humble, submissive heart before you that's teachable, that's willing to 
see and admit, and then by your grace, make the change and the difference. And so, Lord, I pray that that would be the attitude of every person here today. I say I want to follow Christ. I'm a follower of Christ. Everybody would say that if they're saved and they're members of this church. They would have that attitude or that mindset about them. And there were these others who said, I'll follow you, Lord. They had the same mindset. But there were hidden recesses of the heart that needed to be exposed. And to be able to truly come to the place of full surrender to the will of God. And I pray, Lord, that you would challenge us with these truths today, that we could be fully surrendered to the will of God and be used of you as you desire and you see fit. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone has observed that there's a difference between interest and commitment. Think about that for a second. When you're interested in doing something, you do it when circumstances permit. But when you're committed to something, you accept no excuses, only action. When you're committed, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, you're still going to work through it when there's real commitment. And it's important to realize for us this morning that these verses, they're directed toward people who say they want to follow the Lord or serve the Lord, but they're not directed to just those who would say they're in full-time Christian service, they're addressed to everybody who would claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ or a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the Lord is drawing a line in the sand when it comes to the issue of truly following Christ, that there is only one way to truly follow the Lord, and that's totally and completely. So what can we observe from this passage? Well, first of all, we can observe that many think following Christ is important, but not the most important thing in life. Many think that following Christ is something important, but maybe not the most important thing in life. In verse 57, we see that there was a man who said, I'll follow you, Lord, whithersoever thou goest. He says, anywhere you lead, I'll go. But Jesus brings up an issue. He says, okay, but maybe you haven't thought this all the way through. Because the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. But you need to know this up front. The Son of Man doesn't even have a place where he can lay his head. This man wanted to follow the Lord. There was another one that Jesus says to him personally, I want you to follow me. In the next verse, verse 59. But there's a three-letter word that shows itself. But. So verse 59, and he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Then you get down to verse 61. And there's another also who said, Lord, I'll follow you. There's that three-letter word again, but. But 
let me go, for first go, bid them farewell, which are at, at his father's house. What we see here, though, is that all three of them thought that following Jesus was a good thing to do. There's not one of them that, 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 that said following the Lord wasn't a good thing at all. Two of them, they even expressed their desire to follow the Lord. They were the ones who said, Lord, I'll follow you. That's more than could be said of many people who say that they're Christians. Even people who heard Jesus preach, at least they were saying, we'll follow you. But at the same time as they were saying they wanted to follow the Lord, and at the same time as they viewed it as something important, what's also revealed to us here is that they didn't think it was the most important thing. There were other factors involved in their lives that they felt needed to be considered. And in the words of the third man, he said, Lord, I will follow you, but... First, let me do this. Does that make sense? The word but is something that has kept many people from truly following the Lord. And so what can be observed here as a hindrance to us truly being surrendered and following Christ Many people think it's important to follow Christ, but it's not the most important thing. And there's some things that come out in this passage that, that really can be applied right where you and I live when it comes to following the Lord. First of all, one thing that was a hindrance to this man following Christ was his comfort zone. Look what he says or look what G, in verse 57 when he says, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere that you lead. But then in verse 58, Jesus says, hey, the foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. In the case of this first man, maybe Jesus sensed that his offer to follow the Lord was a little bit impulsive, maybe even idealistic, if you will. The man hadn't thought through carefully what following Jesus might entail. And so Jesus spells it out up front for him, the fact that following after Christ might mean giving up many of the things that are personal comforts in your life. Things that you may even take for granted. A comfortable home, a nice bed, and a pillow to lay your head on. The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And I think it becomes something that we should ponder. Because the reality is that when we are truly surrendered to the Lord, and it's, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go, I'll do whatever you want me to do, the fact is that might put us in a place that puts us and moves us outside of our comfort zone. And people say, I'll follow you, Lord, as long as it's something that is comfortable for me. Now, they don't say those words but that's how they live. 
Because as soon as something is demanded of them that moves me outside of where I'm comfortable, all of a sudden it's like, okay, a little bit arm's length, a little bit reserved. Now, does it mean that Jesus is saying that to follow me, you've got to sell your house, you've got to deny yourself all the comforts in life, that you basically have to become itinerant in your living in order to follow me? Is that what Jesus is saying? No, that's not what he's saying. If that's what he was saying, then very, very few people would actually qualify as serving the Lord. Even Noah George, who lives in a, not technically a third world country, but in all practical applications, a third world country. Even Noah George has a comfortable place to live. I've been there. And a pillow to lay his head on and some comforts of life and so on. What Jesus is pointing out is something that he has already said in chapter 9, in verse 23, and we already read it, where Jesus says in, in verse 23, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What he's saying is that to follow him is going to require a life of self-denial, a willingness to live that kind of a life not a life that is promoting self or that is, that is trying to make self comfortable. One commentator pointed out, he would have no man enlisted on false pretenses. Jesus said to the guy, okay, you want to follow me? Here's something you need to know. He would have no man enlisted on false pretenses he would have it distinctly understood that there is a battle to be fought, a race to be run, a work to be done, and many hard things to be endured. If we propose to follow him, salvation, he, he's ready to bestow without money and without price. Grace, by the way, glory in the end shall be given to every sinner who comes to him. But he would not have us ignorant that we shall have deadly enemies that we shall have the world, the flesh, the devil, and that many will hate us, slander us, persecute us if we become his disciple. He does not wish to discourage us, but he does wish us to know the truth. And there might be people who have the attitude, oh, I want to follow the Lord. Some may be even sitting in the auditorium today, but you need to count the cost. You need to count the cost of what it means to really follow Christ. This man wasn't counting the full cost. He had ideas of following the Lord wherever he would lead. And I think sometimes, I think of sometimes like uh, people going into the ministry, maybe the pastorate, for example. There might be young men sitting in a congregation and they see the preacher and they see the preaching and they hear and they, they get things out of the word of God. And they're like, man, I could do that. I could do that. I could, I could follow Christ. I could preach. Maybe they see that with the ministry sometimes comes a place of position and sometimes it comes with, with, uh, with, with undeserved accolades to it. And they think, I could do that. I could follow Christ. But they have no idea what it's actually going to entail.
it's going to mean for your own life and for your soul. Is it rewarding? Absolutely it is. But it comes at a cost. And there's a price to pay. And are we willing to count the cost? And are we willing to pay the price? That might mean something even to somebody sitting in a pew because it's not just for full-time Christian servants. It's for every child of God. You may work a job. You may be living a life. But the extent of our service to the Lord comes as long as it's convenient. As long as it's comfortable. Within this realm right here, here's where I serve the Lord. And we take pride in that. I'm a servant of the Lord. I follow Christ. Like, look at all the stuff that I do. But what if, <laughs> what if the Lord says, okay, I want you to do this now. And all of a sudden, it's demanding something of me that's moving me outside of where I feel comfortable. I'll follow you whithersoever thou goest. Whatever you say to do. Really? Are you sure about that? Really? Because Jesus said, in order to follow me, you've got to take up your cross and die to yourself. Jesus wants us to know that he is enlisting us in the service of the king, but that means he's enlisting us in warfare against the powers of darkness. And that warfare is often difficult. And if we're looking for a program where our personal comfort is paramount, then Jesus says you probably should look somewhere else. Following Jesus Christ must be more important than my personal comforts. And many people try to follow from a distance where not too much is demanded of them. Where not too much is hard. Where I can sort of coast along and not really have to be committed or do the hard thing. Because listen, listen, God wants, you, God wants to use you and me in other people's lives. And what that requires so often is the denial of self. That means I've got to give of my time. I've got to give of myself. I've got to do things that are uncomfortable or things that I don't really feel like doing in order to minister to somebody else. That's what it means. And it's not, like I said before, it's not like, here's a Bible study on a piece of paper, do that and get back to me. It's more like, hey Daniel, you have a need? I'm going to be there to help you. It's more like, hey Chris, there's something burdening your heart? I'm burdened too. Let me walk through it with you. It's more like, I'd rather go home tonight and have a cup of coffee after a long day. But instead, 
I'm going to go have a Bible study with this person who needs the Lord. Or I'm going to go spend some time with this church member tonight, help them with a project, try to encourage their soul. But don't inconvenience me too much. There are people who try to follow the Lord, but they do it from a distance. Where not too much is demanded of them. It's not too hard. That's where I want to follow Christ. That's comfort zone right there. And Jesus said, hey, you need to know this. There might be some hard things demanded of you. It's going to be out of your comfort zone. You better... Watch what you say. I'll follow you wherever you go, Lord. Do you really mean it? Good. Look at verse 59 and verse 60, because there's another thing here that we find. Verse 59, he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Another thing that can hinder our ability to serve the Lord or a hindrance to our following Christ truly is personal security. Our own personal security. This man thought following Christ was important. But it wasn't more important than personal security for him. Notice what he says. He says, I must. Let, he says, I must. Or he sa- rather, let me read it. He said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Lord, I think it's important to serve the Lord, but, but let me go bury my father. Now, some people say, well, we don't know if this man's father was dead or if he was still alive. That's not, that's not what this is saying. What this is saying is, and what we have to understand is that phrase, uh, I must bury my father, that was a familiar Middle Eastern statement. It's something that actually is still used today. And when it's used, it means this, I must stay at home until he's gone and dead so that I can bring his estate to its final point and so that I can receive my inheritance. That's really what this is saying. That's what this man's heart attitude was. And in the Middle Eastern culture, you know that the firstborn, the oldest son, he received two-thirds of the father's inheritance. The next son received a third of the father's inheritance, and so on. And that inheritance wasn't given until the father was dead. Now, it could legally be given before the father was dead. We see the example of that in the prodigal son. But it would have been a shame. It would have been a scandal. It would have been something that, that, was, that was very shameful in the family. And so what this guy is saying is, I think it's important to follow you, but I need to make sure that I get my inheritance first, so that I'm personally, financially secure in all of these things, and then I'll follow the Lord. You follow that? It's sort of like, 
people saying, I'll follow you someday. When my father's dead and I've gotten what I need, when I'm financially secure, then I'll follow the Lord. But note Jesus' reply. He says, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. In other words, what Jesus is actually saying here is leave the temporal things to temporal people. Leave the matters of the temporal life and kingdom to the people who live in that kingdom. You are called to come into the kingdom of God, and the rest of your life is to be proclaim the glories of the kingdom of God. You go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. And again, it's a reflection of the heart in a matter of priorities in a person's life. Many people live with that thought, I will follow Christ, but they can't really let go of the temporal world. I'll really serve God someday, I just need to have this good fallback plan first, and then I'll really get serious about following God. I've heard people say, the Lord's called me into a ministry. The Lord has called me to preach, you know, here or there. And, and, and after I retire from my secular job, when I've got my 25 years in, and I've got that pension plan, then we're going to go and we're going to serve the Lord. Now, could that be God's will for somebody? Sure. I'm not saying what the will of God is. But I am saying that it could be a reflection of the heart. That I'm going to plan it all out here. I'm going to plan how this is going to go and that's going to go. And I've got the plan put to place and now I'm secure in these things. And so now we can do this. On the other hand, it could be that some people just pursue the earthly temporal things so much that it completely overwhelms their entire life. And then they don't have anything left to serve the Lord with. A lot of times that's where, right where we live. That the temporal things of life have just completely overwhelmed and consumed my life and I just don't have any time left to really serve the Lord. Again, it's a matter of priorities. People think it's important to follow Christ, but it's not the most important thing. But Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. What things is he talking about? Hey, all the concerns of the temporal life, the Lord is going to take care of them. But you seek first the kingdom of God. That's your calling. The spiritual kingdom. The highest priority. But then there's a third. There's also the issue of a divided heart. In verse 61 and another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home, at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. 
This third man volunteers to follow Jesus Christ, but it has a stipulation on it. The stipulation is that he first be allowed to go home and say goodbye to everyone. He thought that following Jesus Christ was important, but not important enough to let go of what he's known in the past, his way of life, his relationships. The Lord could tell this guy's heart was divided. He couldn't cut, quite cut ties with the things of the past. He wasn't willing yet to make this clean break with the old way of life or what he's always known. And so Jesus says, don't go to sleep, please. Apply it in your own heart. No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, to follow Christ, you've got to be wholly focused on the purpose. It sounds like Jesus is sort of being harsh here. And you might be able to read it that way if you don't really understand exactly what the Lord is saying. When Jesus is talking about putting one's hand to the plow and turning back, He's not talking about someone who has started out in Christian service, but then they end up leaving the ministry for secular work. or He's not referring to how a person earns a living, but rather what he's talking about is a basic focus of life. The disciple must fix his eyes on Jesus Christ and his cause. Things might change in life, but my purpose does not change. My purpose of following Christ, my purpose of preaching the gospel, my purpose of glorifying the Lord, that doesn't change. Circumstances might change, but my purpose never changes. And whether you earn your living digging ditches, whether you earn your living preaching the gospel, the consuming purpose of life is to know Jesus Christ yourself and then make him known to the world. It doesn't matter what you do for a job. It doesn't matter what you, how you earn a living. That is secondary and should be secondary to my purpose of following Jesus Christ and serving Him. One man said, following Him is not a task which is added to others like working a second job. It is everything. It's the solemn commitment which forces the disciple to be to reorder all of their priorities. Wow. Did you, did you grab that? It forces us to reorder what our priorities are. Jesus' point is, and you've heard me say this before, you cannot furrow a straight line by always looking behind you. Both hands on the plow, looking straight forward. It's a focus of life. It talks about dedication of life to Jesus Christ, not having a divided heart. And sometimes we are guilty of having a divided heart. 
I'll follow you, Lord. But we don't actually count the cost. And there's a lot of but. Let me do this first, or as long as it's in my comfort zone. And we'll bring the message to a close today by pointing at verse 62 again. Because in verse 62, what we find is that following Christ is absolutely the most important thing for your life. Truly following Christ. What does it mean? It means to deny yourself. It means to die to self. It means to take up your cross. It means full surrender and focus. Not just a slice of life, something that rounds life out and makes us feel better. Like, oh, I follow Jesus. No, he's talking about the center of life, the hub of your being. Everything else revolves around that. Make sense? Not to say that every spare minute we have ought to be given to serving down at the church, but he's speaking about priorities in our mind and in our heart. Making the commitment to follow Christ first in salvation, of course. And then after that, it means something. The word follow that we're, we're considering here, it means to be in company with. It's present tense. It carries the meaning of something that is continual. Following Jesus, being in, the, in company with Jesus Christ. And so here's what we need to learn as we bring it to a close. First of all, following Christ cannot be based on emotional, idealistic decisions. There's no doubt that the first man in our text said, I'll follow you wherever you go. There's no doubt that he was caught up in the emotion of what was taking place. Because prior to this, Jesus was working miracles. People were being healed. There was a lot of victories being won. There was excitement among people. He no doubt was caught up in all that the Lord was doing. It's like, oh, I want to be a part of that. I'll do whatever you want, Lord. I'll go wherever you go, wherever you say. No doubt he was caught up in the emotion of the things that he witnessed. Maybe he saw some popularity involved because Jesus was really popular. But Jesus realized that this man had not thought it through carefully. He had not considered all the cost. He hadn't thought of the hardship, the rejection, the persecution that would inevitably follow with making this commitment to follow Christ. He had an idealized view of what it meant to follow Jesus. But having an idealized view is not something that is going to carry you through in the hard times. And again, I think of maybe a young man who says, oh, I'm going to go into the ministry. Listen, profession is something that's easy. Practice over the long haul is the real test. When those that you say you're ministering to turn on you, when life demands more, this life demands more of you than you thought that you were, you were going to have to give. When it means you don't get to experience what other people get to experience. But none of that actually matters. Because Jesus Christ, in His honor 
and his glory is all that matters. And if he chooses to glorify himself through the hard things, like Paul said, for me to live is Christ. He says, I want Christ to be glorified in my body, whether by life or by death. May he be glorified. That's the thing that carries you through in the hard times. And so we need to understand and learn following Christ cannot be based on emotional and idealistic decisions. Profession is easy. Secondly, we need to understand that our following of Christ cannot be casual or whenever we have time or whenever it's convenient. Commitment to Christ and the gospel is not about what is convenient for me. We all have agendas. And I think sometimes there's well-meaning things, but those agendas start to show themselves. When in reality, following Christ means I have no agenda except for to glorify Him. So if He says, move from Alaska, then I need to move from Alaska. If he says, go here and serve me there and do this hard work, and it means that. Listen, I've, I've known. I've known of young men who are called into the ministry. They're called to preach. But you know what? What they want to do is they want to take a church that is already established, that's well on its way, that's got all the financial securities, got a good membership and all those things. All the ministries are all well taken care of. It's a well-oiled machine. And we just slide right into all the easy But they're not willing to go and start a church in a place that needs one because that's going to demand some really hard work. And I don't have all the security that comes with a well-established church. There's the idealized view. There's the strategy and planning out of the agenda not the heart that really says, Lord, if you want me to go do something that I don't really want to do, I'll still do it because I'll do whatever you want me to do. And it's got to be by your grace and your strength. It can't be a phase of life. Like this portion of my life, or this era of my life, I'm really serving the Lord and really giving my all. But you know what? I did that, and now life has gone on, and I'm sort of going to hang my hat up. Fit in, blend in, live out my days in the church, hear some good preaching and so on. No, it can't be a phase of life but a lifelong devotion of an undivided heart. Commitment to Christ and the gospel is not about when it's convenient. The people that we encounter each day are heading towards an eternity. They're a heartbeat away, in fact from eternity. And where is that eternal destiny? 
My point is, the message of the gospel is urgent. We can't be casual about our commitment to Christ when it's convenient. Jesus said to the one, He said, let the dead bury their dead. Leave the temporal things to the temporal life, but you go and you preach the kingdom of God. So, we understand that Jesus is talking about total commitment to Him, for following Him. But how do we do that? How do we implement total commitment to the cause of Christ on a daily basis? Because Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me, right? I think that sometimes emotionalism or determination and so on to... I'm going to give my life to Christ. I'm going to give my life serving the Lord. Sometimes that comes across where it feels like this is like a one-time, I'm serving the Lord, I'm laying it on the line, I'm going to serve the Lord. God's called me into the ministry. And one, and then and it's like a, a one moment, I'm just giving it all to the Lord. You understand what I mean? All in one lump sum. But you know what? That's not really how it works or usually how it goes. Usually giving our life to Christ isn't glamorous. It's really done in all those little acts every day of denying myself and giving it to the Lord. It'd be easy if it was this one-time thing and you go out in this flash of glory, it's a lot harder to live the Christian life little by little, day by day, over the long haul, when my brother has a need, when there's this person who needs the gospel, when all of these other things of life are just so overwhelming, but I'm setting it aside to do the thing that the Lord has given me to do. And little by little, just giving of myself to people and to, th- and to the things of the Lord, denying myself day by day. That is how it's done. The kind of daily commitment in small increments is really where it's at. That is where real commitment is, de- is, is demonstrated. First of all, you've got to be saved, obviously. Totally entrusting your life and your eternal destiny to the Lord Jesus Christ. But then after that, He calls us to turn from our own selfishness and self-centered thinking to follow Him. And if we say, I'll follow Jesus, but that part's got to be erased. we say, I'll follow the Lord totally by Your grace. There's some real demands of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says the demand is, is that you've got to die to yourself. Their emphasis was, me first. Let me do this first. That was their emphasis. And a lot of times, that's how Christian people live. 
with the profession of I'm following the Lord, but there's a lot of me first. It's not a wonder that Jesus said in the same context, the laborers are few. And may the Lord help us to, even today, re-examine our own life and even our own priorities. Am I really following Christ? Totally? Or is it kind of casually? Are there areas of my life where I say I'm fully surrendered to the Lord, but the Lord kind of has a way of revealing some of those hidden recesses of the heart and then coming to the place, okay, Lord, I submit that to you as well. I've gone through that in my life. And I would like to say that because I've gone through it, it's passed. Now I'm fully surrendered to the Lord. I'd like to be able to say that. But you know what? It comes down to day by day, moment by moment. Are we truly following Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to see the point tonight, today. Priorities, day by day, moment by moment, dying to self. Being willing, being usable, even when it's not comfortable or when it's not convenient. But it's not about my comfort. It's not about my personal security. There needs to be an undivided heart that is truly crucified self. Self has no more say. And Lord, help me day by day and moment by moment to live free of that, to truly be a disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray the same for your people. May we examine our hearts today. Sometimes we serve, but we serve with agendas. Lord, I don't want agendas in my life. And I pray that you'd reveal it, expose it. You try my heart. You see what is in me. And Lord, may there be a humbleness that surrenders and submits to you in my own heart day by day. I need my mind renewed, some new perspective, some realigning. And as Jesus said daily, taking up that cross. Lord, I pray that you accomplish your purpose and will through the word. Today, in the hearts of your people, in Jesus' name we pray.